Welcome to Village Mentality, where melanated people are connected in spirit, love, and community. What's up out there, kings and queens, beautiful people everywhere? It's your girl, C.K. McGee. And I am Patrina Reed, and we're your host. Hi, villagers. Hey, villagers, how's it going? What's going on, my friend? How are you? I know you've been under the weather for a little bit. How you doing? Oh, my goodness, friend. I just, I don't even know what to say. I'm going to say this. It is getting better. Do not get me wrong. It is getting better. But, you know, when you think that one thing is okay, here comes something else. That's what I'm going through right now. But I'll be all right. I really will. How about you? (laughs) <laughs> I know what you mean about that. You know, if it's if it's not one thing, it's another. But of course, as always, you know, you have my well wishes uh, that everything will, you know, get back to normal, if you will, as far as um, you know what you're what you're dealing with. I know this time of year, especially with the seasons and everything like that, and when they begin to change and the different temperatures and all that, there's so many different things at play. But um, I do hope that you will feel better. And to answer your question, I am doing all right, hanging in there, taking it one day at a time as only we can. Well, you know what? I'm glad to hear that. Now, remember, we were talking before last episode about your busy schedule. Has that kind of, you know, gotten a little bit better or is it still a little bit hectic? What about that? Uh, well, at times it can be hectic. The funny thing about it is I could at maybe one day, like have nothing on my plate, so to speak. And I could be focusing on things that I'm doing, you know, personal projects that I may be working on. And then all of a sudden it's like, bam, I have like five interviews (laughs) that I have to like edit and transcribe and like all those kinds of things. And, you know, the the duration of those interviews can sometimes, no, I'm not even going to say sometimes, they are misleading. Sometimes they can range from like 15 minutes to an hour. And uh, by the time you're finished working on them, it's like my hands want to just leave my body and run away. They feel abused. And I think that they get tired of me. (laughs) So (laughs) do the best that I can to uh, you know, space things out so that I can, you know, be kinder and gentler to my hand and, and be able to get things done. And again, I think I've mentioned this before, I always had to be mindful of time management, um, but also just sort of like taking care of myself so that I can get everything done. So, uh, uh, you know, but I enjoy it. So I'm not, I really don't want to put it out there like I'm complaining about anything. I enjoy it because I get an opportunity to hear uh, different subjects uh, being discussed by people who I've not been familiar with before and am able to get some insight into some different things, interesting topics, uh, and just really hear how, you know, people perceive life and how they, you know, basically have come to do what it is that they're doing, you know, basically working in their purpose. And it's always very inspirational and inspiring. And I'm always so um, proud of of my team. So for those of you out there uh, in our village who may not be familiar, I am um, a senior writer and assistant editor for Purposely Awakened, uh, which is a virtual magazine 
And Naomi K. Bauman is the CEO of that magazine. And so I've been with them for about three years now, but just recently, you know, became involved in the editorial process. And it has really been a, a great opportunity for me. So we are living and we are learning and we are enjoying. And girl, I'm always talking to you about everything uh, as far as some of the stuff that I've heard. Um, so it's just really a great experience. And I definitely thank God. Um, I appreciate it, you know? Yes. And I'm glad that you were able to, you know, get some of those things taken care of that you had to get taken care of and then realize that, you know what, not quite finished, still got things to do. But like I said to you before, Villagers, she is doing so many great things and it's beautiful to see my sister, my queen, um, moving on in her life and in her purpose and how thoroughly blessed in, in what she's doing. So that just wanted to highlight that because you are a busy woman and you're doing so many great things. Well, and I'm proud you of so you. Oh, thank you so much, my friend. I, I really do appreciate that. And uh, I'm thankful for your support and uh, for your words of encouragement. I think I've mentioned before, and I'm not afraid to mention it again. Uh, you have, you know, talked to me down from many a ledge. <laughs> so I'm grateful for you, for your friendship, for your support, for your partnership with the podcast. Um, I really couldn't think of anyone else that I would like to, you know, take this journey with. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for, for being you and for having my back. I, I appreciate you. You're welcome, Queen. So, friend. Guess what? And I know I don't have to tell you this, but it's our last episode for the season. <laughs> I know. I'm I'm just like, how is that possible? <laughs> like, <laughs> where did the time go? And I, I mean, really? Already? Already. I, I I you know, I'm thinking about it, like we're doing all this different stuff or what have you, you know, uh our personal life and professionally and whatever, collaborating on different, you know, projects here and there. And I was like, oh my God, you know, it's already been I know that we played we replayed an episode last week, to sort of like give ourselves a breather. I think I was doing a little bit of traveling, whatever. And so here we are, the last episode, you know, basically 12 weeks, you know, have gone by and it's just like, wow, we've, we've covered so much. And so as we were talking, we decided that we would use this last episode of the first season, right, to recap and, and um, you know, sort of reflect on the episodes that we've done thus far. Yes, and I, we, we definitely agree that we have went through and talked about so much and villagers, you know, we know that you have been along with us for the ride. And if you remember all of the things that we talk, we talked about, and when we do this, this recap, you will be so surprised that, oh my gosh, we talked about a lot of different pertinent topics that are affecting our community on a daily basis and it's just wonderful to see the uh progression of it all amen i mean 
I said to you, I think at one point in time that I even myself, right, wanted to go back and listen to episodes just to kind of see like how we did progress, you know, because this was like a brand new experience for the most part for both of us and to put ourselves out there for the sake of our community because we love, you know, our black and brown community. This was definitely uh, born out of love for the community. And so, you know, you're sort of like, you know, taking a chance and, and just kind of putting yourself out there. And that's why, like I said, I'm grateful that you said yes and were willing to, you know, do this with me. And it's just interesting to listen as each episode goes, you know, on. It, it will be interesting, I should say. You just sort of like hear how we evolved, you know, throughout the season. But um, yeah, so for anyone who's just joining us, who's just tuning in for this episode, we hope that as we recap the uh, season, it'll encourage you to go back and listen to those episodes in their entirety. Amen. Absolutely. And so with that being said, my friend, why don't we get into our segment called Let's talk about it. And so, kings and queens, you have heard us speak, I I would say a few times now, uh, this past season, about Julius Jones. And Julius Jones is a young man in Oklahoma who was accused of carjacking and murder uh, in Edmond, Oklahoma, a primarily white suburb in, I believe it was 1999. And he has maintained his innocence over these years. And throughout the course of our discussion about him, we've come to find that basically he was just let down in every way possible his lawyers, the judicial system, the jury. There was a lot of uh, racial bias in this case because the evidence, as I've mentioned before, my nine-year-old niece could try this case and win it because it's that obvious that he's not the person that's responsible uh, for this crime. And it's also been duly noted that the person that is responsible has bragged about his involvement with this carjacking slash murder of um, one of the community members of Edmond, Oklahoma. And so every time I come across Queen uh, support for Julius, I feel like it's important to share it with the village, uh, with our villagers, for them to understand just how many people out there are really fighting for him because they're seeing things as we have seen that it's just not right, that he is on death row. And uh, fortunately, because the state of Oklahoma, some months back, had uh, some questions of constitutionality regarding how they're putting these inmates to death, it delayed uh, the scheduling of his execution. And so what has been happening, village, villagers, is that They've been, his new team, his new legal team have been fighting for a new trial so they can have an opportunity to present this evidence and really have the court hear, you know, the truth about the situation and get justice and have his sentence uh, commuted to time served. And so the NBA players, my friend, 
uh, in the state of Oklahoma, as well as anywhere else, actually. I've been writing letters to the governor of Oklahoma and the parole and pardon board. And so there are two letters that I just kind of want to bring to everyone's attention. I'm not going to read them in their entirety, but just, just to give you um, a little bit of what the feeling is regarding those who are writing letters, what they actually have to say. And the first is from Russell Westbrook. And I'm sure basketball fans out there um, are familiar with him. But um, he addressed his letter to the governor. And here were some of the key things that he actually had to say. Um, he said, I'm contacting you today because I believe the state's criminal justice system is on the verge of carrying out a grave injustice, one that is inconsistent with the values of the Oklahoma I know and love. Julius's public defenders lack the resources, expertise, and motivation to fight for his life. Though Julius and his family members were expecting to testify about his whereabouts at the time of the crime, none of them were called to the stand. His legal team also failed to present a photo of Julius taken nine days before the crime, which would have dramatically contradicted the eyewitness description. In addition, they failed to adequately question the co-defendant who is reported to have bragged in jail about framing Julius. He then goes on to say, in the words of attorney Brian Stevenson, quote, if we can look at ourselves closely and honestly, I believe we will see that we all need justice. We all need mercy. And perhaps we all need some measure of unmerited grace, unquote. What do you think about that letter, Queen? Wow. I think he definitely hit all of those nails on the head because everything he said is what we talked about um, during our discussions. And he's not right. I mean, he, he, he's not wrong, excuse me, in what he's saying. It's not right. It, it's just not right. And, and that last statement was definitely poignant with us having just some type of care, concern, and, and just moral compass for ourselves mm -hmm. and, and doing what is right. This, yes. is, a, this is definitely an injustice, a disservice, a, a inhuman. I mean, it's just so many different things that doesn't make any sense. And to keep this man on death row for something that clearly, like you said uh, multiple times, your niece being not, I think your nephew being six could <laughs> have uh, and can also discern that this was not, this was not justice at all. Absolutely. It really, it really is not. And um, let me just go ahead and read the second letter from Buddy healed and i'm i'm praying that i'm pronouncing his name correctly uh but he is from the sacramento kings and here's what some of his letter had to say after 20 years on death row the pardon and parole board and the office of the governor now have the opportunity to correct the injustices that led julius to be wrongfully accused and convicted as an immigrant who has been given incredible opportunities in the United States, 
and in particular, Oklahoma, I have great appreciation for the idea of the American dream. I also feel compelled to speak out when, as in this case, we fall short of our ideals. One of the most important principles in American democracy is due process and the notion that anyone accused of a crime deserves a fair trial, a combination of racial prejudice, an inexperienced and unprepared legal team, and the withholding of key evidence from jurors deny Julius Jones of these rights. The criminal justice system failed when it convicted Julius, a man who did not fit the eyewitness description, there it goes again, ladies and gentlemen, mentioned again, and who was deprived of the opportunity to testify on his own behalf. And then he, he basically goes on to say, it is not too late to look at the merits of his case and show mercy. Hey, you, my friend. Again, all of those points that is being made is accurate. And yes, we have the opportunity, we meaning the country, Oklahoma in particular, have the opportunity to rectify um, the injustice that they have continued to um, force on this man. And no, there's no form of rectification because to be honest, his life, his whole life had been taken away from him. So you are not gonna be able to rectify that. However, giving him his freedom will at least, at least save his life, save the rest of his life so that he can live out what he want to do. He has not had that opportunity because somebody else railroaded him along with the state. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, it's really sad. And unfortunately, you know, Julius is not the only man or woman that's suffering from this. But in his case, it's just so much of a, of a disgrace to the, to the justice system in general. To see the, the lack of, of expertise, resources, and concern for a person's life, and you're supposed to be defending them, is, is horrible. Yeah, it, it really is. It really is. And it just makes you question, like, how do you sleep at night knowing that you really haven't done what you basically uh, swore to do? And I mean, you know, as a judge on the case, as jurors that are hearing the case, you went to school and you studied hard and you took the bar and you basically seem to, I think, have an idea of, you know, wanted to provide wanting to provide justice for people. Does that turn off and on like a light switch based on the color of somebody's skin? Because again, it, it is so glaringly blatant when you're looking at the evidence at, yo, how could he be on death row? But as you said, my friend, he is not the only one in this situation. Many, many people of color, black men, black women are either um, sitting on death row or they have been sentenced or offenses that they have committed just disproportionate to those of our white counterparts. So one way or another, this system has 
has just been gunning for us. And it's almost like come, come hell or high water, we're going to get you. And it doesn't matter if it doesn't make sense. We're going to get you. And that's basically what it looks like, feels like, seems like. And so when you have organizations out there like the Innocence Project that are working on cases like this, the only thing that I can do in my, using my platform and in my purpose is to bring awareness and to shed light on these cases, you know, hoping that somehow, some way, someone's out there listening that has the power I don't <laughs> to affect change, you know? Absolutely. Uh, and I'm, as you're speaking and I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, you know, they said justice is blind, but she's not stupid. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's asinine. And I know, forgive us for laughing. Um, it's not funny, haha, but it's just, it's amazing to see what we have all said. It's nothing that was said by uh, Mr. Westbrook or by uh, the other player that we have not pointed out that has not been pointed out during the documentary. Like every, I mean, it's just, it's just horrible. I'm sorry. It's just horrible. It is. It is. And I just pray that Julius Jones knows that there are people out there who are pulling for him, that see him, and that want to do what they can, and like I said, in their own power, you know, to uh, bring about justice to his case. So we just continue to pray. And again, even though this is our last episode for this season, we'll be back again. And we'll definitely be keeping Absolutely. you up to date, not only with Julius Jones, but others that we have spoken about, you know, throughout the course of uh, this, this season. So my friend, we'll go ahead and move on. And, you know, <clears throat> I thought it was important for us to talk about this. These, you know, these episodes that we do, you and I talk each week as we're putting together our episodes and, you know, we're moved to do certain things in our episodes for the sake of our villagers. And uh, two of the things that we decided to do throughout the course of these episodes was to talk about inspirational stories, and to give examples of village mentality in our segment called For the Village. I'll have you speak about that in a moment, but I just want to let you guys know, kings and queens out there, the reason behind what we do, because everything is thought out. Everything is very thoughtful. We do not really just do stuff from the, 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 you know, off the, off the um, tip of our head, if you will, because this is a, this is a labor of love that Trina and I um, give uh, to you each week. We're giving of ourselves, you know, in, like I said, our, our own way uh, to the village. And so with inspirational stories, the reason why I decided to, to do them is because, you know, we're dealing with so much. We're dealing with so much. You have, like, the effects of COVID-19 right now. You have civil unrest because of police brutality and the murders of George Floyd and Rayshard Brooks and dealing with things like Julius Jones and Nathaniel Woods, we talked about him earlier, uh, Purvis Payne, like all these different people, uh, uh, Elijah McClain, that Breonna Taylor, uh, Ahmaud Aubrey, that have lost their lives. We, 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 we see these things and we hear these stories day in and day out. 
And if it's not that, then, you know, just in our own personal lives, there are challenges and obstacles and struggles that we all face. And so I just thought it would be uplifting to speak life into us and to remind us that there are certain life lessons that we can take or that we need to be reminded of so that we can continue on, so that we can uh, sort of become, you know, stronger in our mission, you know, in this life. Because sometimes we get so caught up in all the negativity, you know, and when we're not talking to each other, when we're not encouraging one another, we're not thinking about one another, we will have a tendency to feel like we're all alone. And in fact, we are not. You are not alone. Trina reminds me all the time, I'm not alone. She's not alone. Michael Jackson told us we're not alone. So the inspirational stories are really just there to remind us that we are all in this together. And even if we are not dealing with the very same thing in our lives, we're dealing with something. And village mentality was set up so that we can remind ourselves that we need to be on one accord, one page, and as a collective unit, that we need to be thoughtful of one another and that we need to encourage and uplift one another because we have so much out there against us that at least, hopefully, these stories that we've provided each week will do something to help you go on, even if it's just another day. We have to just take it one day, one step at a time. But if we can encourage you to keep fighting, to keep your head up, then we're doing our job. And we want you to know that the inspirational stories, as well as the examples of village mentality, will be something that will always be a part of our show. So we've asked often, every episode actually, <laughs> that if you have stories of inspiration or if you have examples of village mentality, to please, you know, send them in. We have an email address, villagementality, you know, 20 at gmail.com where you can go ahead and you can send stories or if you want to leave comments even on our pages you can follow us on instagram and facebook village mentality 2020 so that is the reason for the inspirational stories how do you feel queen about the examples that you've given us each week which have been wonderful examples of village mentality in our segment for the village well um when I find these wonderful stories, like CK, like you mentioned, Queen, when we talked about um, creating these segments and finding stories to show examples of village mentality for our villagers, we were meticulous about what type of stories we wanted to bring because, again, like you are saying, it's about instilling and encouraging and promoting and, and, and reinforcing life back into us because, you know, we are experiencing so much. So for me to go out and find those stories and, you know, villagers, you might not believe it, but I like really be, be looking for stories that's, that is so encouraging and that has a meaning and, and motivation for us to promote just that. We're not just speaking about village mentality because we don't believe in it. 
we're speaking it because that's what we truly believe. This is what we do for each other. And this is what we have done for others for years before the podcast uh, ever came into fruition, before we even met each other, we were promoting village mentality. Amen. So for us to be able to come together and and foster a friendship with like-mindedness and then sit down and with CK's encouragement and, and, and um, constant reminding me that, hey, we can do this. We were able to bring this to the table. So when I get those stories that support, encourage, and then just confirm what we know village mentality to be, I am elated. I'm excited. I am um, just happy to see it in print, uh, read it, or to to hear it, because there are people out there who believe, just like we believe, that we cannot do this by ourselves, that it takes a village, Amen. and it really does. So I'm just happy, one, to get to do the research, to find the, the, the articles, to find the, the people, and then to be able to bring it to the village and be able to surprise CK with the, um, the stories that I found. Because like she said to us before, she's not always privy to the stories. And just like I'm not privy to the inspirational stories. So when you hear my excitement throughout the <laughs> podcast, <laughs> throughout the episodes, of me really being interested in the inspirational stories, trust me and believe me, that is genuine. That is not pretense. I genuinely, excitedly <laughs> wait to hear her tell us the stories. Um, and just like she waits to hear what, what um, for the village story I have, but we do it out of love and out of genuine sincere understanding of which village mentality is. Absolutely. And you know what's so funny, my friend? Um, the other day, and I can't remember quite right now, I can't remember where I heard it, but somebody somewhere, I don't know if it was television or if I was listening to a podcast or what, because I have a tendency, ladies and gentlemen, yep, I do listen to other people's podcasts. Uh, <laughs> they made reference to the elephant rope. And if you remember, I did a story, an inspirational story throughout, uh, during the season about the elephant rope mm -hmm. and how, you know, the guy that saw the elephants, you know, tied up, wondered why they never, you know, like sort of like broke loose and went free basically was the story. And it kind of just talked about how, you know, because of the fact that they were, you know, their ankle was tied, I guess, to a rope at a young age they basically got used to that being the case and they never thought outside the box that they had the ability to free themselves, you know? And so when I heard that, I was like, ah, oh, see, the universe has a way of letting you know that you're on the right page. So I appreciate you, my friend, for the uh, examples of village mentality each week. I enjoy hearing them and I appreciate your encouragement and your sincere enthusiasm in hearing about the stories of inspiration. And I hope that our villagers are able to take away something each week as we give those stories and examples of um, village mentality. So thank you so much for your contribution each week. 
You're welcome. And again, this is just things that we normally do with each other. So it's not far-fetched. And I appreciate, again, like I've always said, the ability to be able to, and the opportunity, I had the ability, but the opportunity <laughs> to um, be able to do it. So I appreciate you for allowing me to be a part of your journey and uh, bringing it to the villagers. Absolutely. So why don't we go ahead then, my friend, and begin our recap of season one, because we have 11 episodes to recap. But why don't we go ahead and get started? And also, uh, do not despair, villagers. We definitely have music. Yep, we're going to be playing some music uh, throughout the episode. And um, we decided in our discussion about this episode that the songs that we're going to play, and correct me if I'm wrong, my friend, would be um, more of a gospel contemporary nature because we are so thankful for having had the opportunity to be able to put out Village Mentality, the podcast, and we're just grateful for the opportunity and for the strength that we're provided and afforded each week in order to, to put this out there. So we just want to give praise and we just want to give thanks, you know, to um, our Heavenly Father. Uh, we are not by any means uh, putting our beliefs onto you, but we are also by in no means ashamed of speaking about our God. So those Things are to come, but let us begin with our recap. All right, so my friend, in episode one, we talked about coping skills. And we said that coping skills uh, was the ability to effectively deal with something difficult and learning how to take care of our overall health. So we talked about like self-care and things that we can do for ourselves to help. And the reason why we were talking about this, why we introduced the topic again, had to do with COVID-19. Um, we talked about our emotional health, avoiding toxic energy, taking breaks from TV because of how the news can become depressing and how we needed to take breaks from that how we needed to be able to talk about the feelings that we had to express our and articulate our emotional discontent uh, so in a, in a healthy constructive way um, we also introduced or talked about the fact that our children were in the midst of remote learning because i believe it was back in march when they closed schools down um, but at this point, we were talking about remote learning and some of the challenges that we faced, uh, you know, or that were faced, excuse me, uh, by children and parents and teachers alike. We also mentioned the murder of George Floyd, who was killed in Minnesota by police officers on May 25th of this year, and how that inspired protests all around the world in response. Uh, and of course, there were cries to defund the police, which did not necessarily mean that we wanted uh, the police to be abolished, but that we wanted to have funds reallocated so that more social programming um, could be offered to communities of color, inner city communities, you know, where things like uh, mental health is an issue, and perhaps the police not having the expertise to deal with situations like that mental health professionals could be called onto the scene in order to de-escalate situations that at this current time <laughs> seem to go left real quick. Um, friend, do you have anything that you want to add to that episode? 
Only other thing I want to add to that is we talked about reciprocation mm. and making sure that we were in relationships that were reciprocal because that was a part of the self-care, the um, connecting with others, and being in a reciprocating relationship. But other than that, my friend, you have captured everything that you, we talked about. You know what? Can I just can I just like go off on a little tangent right here for a second, my friend? The whole, yes, love. The whole reciprocity, the whole reciprocation. One of my biggest pet peeves, and I just have to say it, I have to say it. Because it makes me feel like sometimes I'm on the wrong planet. It makes me feel like I'm waiting for my people to come any day now to come and get me because I've been left here mistakenly. <laughs> it really irks me to no end that people can be so self-absorbed that they don't know how to reciprocate kindness, consideration, often. Something as simple as, good morning, how are you? is completely overlooked or is ingested by the person that receives it, but yet there is no thought in their mind to reciprocate that and actually want to, I don't know, be concerned about you as a human being. I think it just really saddens me how much we really don't pay attention to one another. And being somebody like myself who suffers from mental illness, severe depression and anxiety at times throughout my life, um, I'm mindful of the fact that, you know, with this being September, it's Suicide Prevention Month. And I think the thing that concerns me the most is that because people are so or can be so self-absorbed, it's easy to miss the signs of somebody who might be in distress, somebody who might be struggling, because on a daily basis, we don't even take time to really care for or care about each other. Am I, am I crazy in that? Like, am I, am I just tripping? No, you're not tripping. We've had this conversation. I am guilty of not reciprocating in certain ways. Um, so no, you're not crazy. Mm -mm, not at all. Um, the thing about it is, like you said, we get self-absorbed or in my case, I get tired of talking about myself, um, which is not always good, but Reciprocation is, again, one of those parative, pertinent um, characteristics that we need to in incorporate, encourage, and develop because some of us are so used to being in one-sided situations, again, mm -hmm. talking personally, um, that it's hard when you have someone that is reciprocal because you, you're kind of like in shock, like, oh, what, huh? Somebody else cares. Somebody gives a darn. So um, we have to get out of that bubble that we are in at times and realize that, hey, there is somebody else on the other side of this and that person has feelings too. So no, to answer your question, you are not uh, crazy. You have not been left here uh, alone. <laughs> um, your people are not coming back to get you. <laughs> Reciprocation is something that needs to be um, taught. Actually, I really feel like we need to have classes now on how to reciprocate because people tend to disregard it. 
Yeah, man. It's, it's just really, sometimes it actually depresses me. I have to be honest. It, sometimes it actually depresses me, especially when it comes from people that you know, when it's friends, when it's family, when it's like your significant other, when, it, when it's people you know who do that to you. Like, okay, strangers, you're just like, all right, you know what? You, you do your best to think, all right, not everybody was raised like you, but I guess it really just does floor me, if, if you will, that you, you really don't care. Like I, if I accidentally, and I, I'm not saying that I never have, but in those rare instances where someone has said to me or, or has asked me how I'm doing, and I'll be like, you know, I'm fine. And I've gone on maybe because my mind has skipped ahead to something else or whatever. I have actually felt guilty within myself. Like, oh my God. And I'll go back to that person and be like, you know what? Forgive my rudeness. I apologize. Like, how are you? I don't see it as like, oh my God, if you ask me how I'm doing now, I feel obligated to ask <laughs> you. We should care enough about each other as human beings. You take that same energy and you can care for an animal. I'm not going to say that that's a negative thing, but you can't care for your own humankind. I just have a real problem with that. And all right, let me, let me stop. Let me stop because I know we have so much more to talk about, but I just, I just have a real problem with that. And I just pray that that will get better as, as time goes. I don't know. We'll just, we'll continue to lift the banner to do that because it, I think it's just really important and we need that as human beings, especially in a time like what we're in now, where we really are not um, able to be in space with each other as we are accustomed. Uh, and so that affection that such that physical touch that we experience, at least, you know, let me feel good knowing that, you know, I'm on someone's mind, they're on my mind. You know what I mean? Right. All right. Okay. So anyway, thank you, villagers. I, I'm sorry. But anyway, so the next episode was episode two. Um, this was about the effects of stress. Uh, and we said that stress is the body's reaction to any change that requires an adjustment or response physically, mentally, and emotionally. And we mentioned the warning signs, which are dizziness, general aches and pains, grinding teeth, headaches, increased loss of appetite, excuse me, increase or loss of appetite, and uh, problem sleeping, as well as weight loss or weight gain. And then we suggested ways to uh, reduce stress would be positive attitude, learning to be assertive and not aggressive, exercise, healthy eating, time management, maybe find a hobby and get some rest because sleep is really, really important. We also talked about Rayshard Brooks, who was a young man, again, killed by police in a Wendy's parking lot in Atlanta on June 12th of this year. And in response to civil unrest, our own fantabulous Governor Cuomo, Andrew Cuomo, he signed uh, policing reform legislation. And just moving on to the next episode, we talked about domestic violence in communities of color. We also talked about Elijah McClain, who was a young man killed by police on August 24th of 2019, but we had just been made aware of it and that was in Aurora, Colorado. Also a tri-state New York, Connecticut, and New Jersey 
14-day quarantine had gone into effect at that time in response to the growing number of COVID-19 cases in other states. We mentioned Yara Shahidi, which is the actress from Blackish and Grownish. She had an article in Porter Magazine basically talking about her privilege uh, as a young person in this world and basically paying respect to um, her ancestors and, and generations before her that have afforded her the opportunities that she has now. She talked about the pros and cons of being sort of like in this age of technology. Um, so if you didn't have an opportunity to hear us speak about it in that episode, you can either go back to the episode or actually just go to Porter Magazine and read it for yourself. She's a very intelligent, uh, articulate young lady and a great representative uh, for future generation, future generations. We also talked about the Red Table Talk with Jada and Will on fatherhood. And we listened as Will uh, talked about his relationship with his father and the things that he learned as a result of that relationship and what it taught him as a father um, regarding his own children. And one of the things that he said, my friend, that really stood out to me was that he had to learn how to father his children for, the, for who they were instead of who he wanted them to be. And I was like, yo, that's deep. <laughs> and that's true. And a lot of times we don't realize that excuse me, we don't recognize it, we don't realize it. So I was happy when he said that. And he made so many different good points um, in his understanding who he was as a father, as opposed to who he was as a man, as a husband, and learning the difference and being able to understand the difference and how to parent his sons um, even though his sons were boys, he had to parent each one of them individually, and then how he had to learn how to parent his daughter. So he um, showed a lot of maturity and um, wisdom and understanding and respect because he also talked about his relationship with his father and, and, and the uh, inadequacies he saw in his father, then realizing that, guess what? I'm not as strong as this man I've been criticizing all my life. So it was just beautiful to see uh, his evolution from his first child to his last. Absolutely. Absolutely. That was a really enjoyable episode. We're always on the show talking about Red Table Talk because they do um, such great things and they talk about topics that concern us all as a community. And so it's great to um, have them, you know, and to be able to use them as a resource. And then concerning the episode itself, which is about domestic violence, we talked about the National Black Women's Health Project, which identified domestic violence as the number one public health issue for women of African ancestry. We talked about the differential and shelter treatment. So for instance, because Black women, I guess, are seen as so strong, there's no way that we can be vulnerable enough or in trouble enough that we need shelter that we need assistance, help because of the relationships that we're in. So we have a tendency to be turned away more so than in, taken in and included. We also talked about the experiences that Black women or women of color have with law enforcement when it comes to the um, abuser in their life. And we found out that women of color are not always willing to call the police on their partners out of fear of police brutality. So here you are, going through this nightmare of a situation 
And yet in the midst of all of it, you're still considering the safety of your partner because you know how things can escalate and you don't want to see your partner get hurt. Isn't that something, Queen? Yes, it is. And that's the thing is that, you know, when we talked about it then, uh, it still rang true. Black women are synonymous with the word strong. And uh, I think it was Taraji E. Henson who was saying, um, we need to stop putting that label on Black women, Black and brown women, but specifically Black women, because with that word strong, it makes people believe that we don't need the help. We, we, can, we can basically uh, get through it. Mm-hmm. We don't need the protection. We don't need the, the, the resources. We don't need the things that everybody else needs to deal with it because we're strong Black women. Mm-hmm. And what we find is that that is further from the truth. And with shelter systems and other systems that are in place for domestic violent victims, we find that even with the domestic violence situation, when police are called onto the scene, when the, 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 the women are afraid for their lives and they're afraid for the, their um, abuser's life, in the hands of the police. So it's, it's just, it's so much, it's so much, the, the, the layers to all of this, it's so deep. Um, and and, it, and it's, it, it's a disservice to black women, unfortunately, because not only do they have to think about their abuser, themselves, their children, and then the resources that may or may not be afforded to them. Yeah. I agree. I think it's very sad. Black women, sad to say, are the low man on the totem pole when it comes to an advocate. We're always expected or there's always something required of us. We're always supporting. We're always there. We're always the backbone. We're always doing everything that we can to make sure that life is easier for everybody else. And we're human beings. We have emotions and we go through different, you know, situations as well. But it's like, who is there really speaking up for us? Who's really protecting us? Who's really, you know, thinking about, you know, what we're doing? And again, that whole reciprocity. Who is reciprocating? You know, it's not that you're doing things because you're waiting for somebody to do anything. It's not that. It's just, it would be nice if people just on their own actually were thoughtful enough to consider you. And as I say, you're going through this nightmare as a woman and you have all these things to consider. Like you said, children can also be um, involved and you're still in that moment, not thinking of yourself, but you're thinking about everyone else, including your abuser. And I just think that that's mind blowing. It really is how far a woman will go to protect a man. My question is, how far does anyone go to protect her? Like the Tootsie Pop commercial, the world will never know. (laughs) 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 And I know, I'm sorry, I'm just following. I'm sorry, villagers. (laughs) I am not making light of this at all because domestic violence is not something to make fun of. But in 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 light of everything because this is heavy stuff guys this is not 
we have not talked about any type of light subjects in the beginning of, of this show. Everything has been heavy. And so to be able to laugh, that is, excuse me, another coping skill that we need to foster. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're so right about that, my friend. Let's go on to the next uh, episode, um, which had to do with uh, obesity in communities of color. And in this episode, we talked about how at this point, there had been 26 million protesters in response to the murder of George Floyd. And not just Black people, uh, people of all races. I'd not to the point where they were just like, enough is enough is enough. I can't go on. I mean, I was just reminded of Donna Summer when I heard that, um, mm -hmm. that number. I was like, wow, it was just a beautiful thing to see. Um, Governor Cuomo put out a statement warning us of voter suppression. You know, Queen, we talk about voting and stuff like that all the time. And the one thing that he wanted to warn us about is uh, were all the tactics that are being used to keep us from voting, particularly communities of color. And we see that a lot of times the younger generation, they have this tainted view about voting and they think, oh my God, it's not gonna matter. Or I really don't care about the, um, candidates that are running, what difference does it make, my vote doesn't matter. If your vote didn't matter, please tell me why they go through so many different things to keep you from voting, number one. Number two, um, it's a process that we all have to understand takes time, but it also takes our involvement as uh, citizens of this country. You cannot sit back and do nothing and expect everything to be done. Uh, as communities of color, we have to stop waiting for one person to rescue us and understand that we need to take collective power and we need to take collective responsibility to make things happen for ourselves. And so as civic-minded individuals, it is our responsibility one way or another to be involved in this process because it does make a difference. However, you cannot think that the only election you need to vote in is a general election. There are things called midterm elections that you need to vote in too, and you need to understand the significance of the two, local and state elections. When we're talking about things like police reform, um, the judges that sit on the bench, uh, your congressmen and women, your senators, all of those things, they're there by voting. They, they don't just miraculously appear. And so if you want to be able to um, get on board and see an agenda that you have or something that you're interested in, you know, you want to see it go through, you have to be able to seek out like-minded individuals who are on the same page, or at least who can give you the best opportunity uh, to have those boxes checked off of that agenda. And that can't be done if you're not voting. There may have been a time, oh, I hear people all the time, oh, you know, there was a time we didn't have to vote at all. Oh, there was a time when we were this. Oh, listen, people of color, you have to learn to adapt, okay? There is no animal on this planet, no animal on this planet, that when you see them today, looked the same a thousand years ago. They adapted. And why did they adapt? Because they needed to be able to continue to eat and survive. And so as the atmosphere changed, so did they. They can continue to eat and to survive. If we stay stuck in our belief that we don't need to do anything, nothing is going to get done. No one is going to do it for us, so it might as well be us. So he was talking about 
the things that are happening. A lot of people are going to be voting by absentee ballot because of coronavirus. For those of us who are, you know, adhering to the social, the excuse me, the precautions that we're taking, the social distancing and mask wearing and all those kinds of things, we had that opportunity. And as we can hear every day, uh, 45 is doing everything he can to make it seem like it's not going to work. It's a sham. It's a scam. It's all, but yet he and his wife both have absentee ballot for the election. Think people, be critical, analytical thinkers, and you have to be able to decipher the information that you're hearing and figure out for yourselves what is true and what is not. Um, in reference to obesity, they talked about different, we talked about different weight classification. You're underweight, normal weight, overweight, or obese. And the two causes for obesity, really quite simply, was either too much food or too little exercise. Communities of color deal with a lot of racial health disparities that present challenges to health promotion. Fast food restaurants is one of the biggest that we have, just unhealthy food um, accessibility. And the population level determinants, determinants were poverty, food insecurity, health care inequity, and reasons that pertain to either medical reasons why you may have gained weight or non-medical reasons, which might be more like mental health issues that we may have that contributed that contribute to weight gain. Well, friend, I think you definitely covered everything for that too. Um, however, I just wanted to add a couple of more things in there. We did talk about as far as obesity is concerned, environmental um, influences. We talked about parental influences. And then when we talked about medical um, causes of obesity, we talked about hormonal imbalances and making sure that uh, your children are getting comprehensive met uh, metabolic panels done so that you can find out whether or not their obesity issue is um, medically um, related or non-medical. So we definitely covered uh, a plethora of things. And we know that with uh, parental influence um, and work and all of those other things that parents have to deal with, it definitely does not help with the obesity and also looking at the stresses of school. Academically, there are stresses there too that we didn't really cover, but that falls under that non-medical because kids are stressed out these days as well. Extra homework, peer pressure, um, being responsible in their household for their siblings, having to um, deal with things that we dealt with when we were younger, but we're able to deal with it in a more efficient way. Kids have more access to things now as far as money is concerned, where they're able to go out and buy fast foods and different things that also contribute to their obesity. So I just wanted to add those things um, to, to just round out <laughs> that episode. Absolutely, and that is why, my friend, you are my partner. So I definitely appreciate that. And just like that, we have come to our first song of the day. What are we going to hear now, my musical jukebox? Well, what we had decided, which I think we both 
without thought of even really communicating it when we when we realized how we were going to break up the episode this song came to both of our minds and this song is one of the songs that really shows our gratitude for the heavenly father and this song is never would have made it by marvin sapp so as always we want you to sit back and relax and in this case get your praise on if you feel like it and when we come back we'll continue talking about the episodes never would have made it never could have made it without you i would have lost it all but now i see how you were there for me and I can say never would have made it never could have made it without you I would have lost it all but now I see how you were there for me and I can say I'm stronger, I'm wiser, I'm better, much better. When I look back over all you brought me through, just need to testify to something next to him. Tell him, I'm strong, I'm wiser, I'm better, much better, I made it, 
Is there anybody in this house other than me that could declare you made it? Tell your neighbor, never would have made it. Tell them never could have made it. Yep, never would have made it. Love that song. I think that was definitely an excellent selection on our part. <laughs> Absolutely. I think we both knew that that was just the perfect song to, to fill in that spot and, and just to show how grateful we are. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. So moving on with our next uh, episodes, episode five, my friend, was about COVID-19 and the nation's response to it. Also, we acknowledge that it was Minority Mental Health Month. Uh, and we said that anyone can experience mental illness, okay? It uh, doesn't matter what your background is or anything like that. And, and uh, Minority Mental Health Month was actually established in 2008. And I talked about how I love NAMI, which is the National Alliance of Mental Illness, which I someday hope to like work with, um, because they present a lot of diverse material concerning mental health for communities of color. So I really do appreciate that about them. And uh, again, background and identity uh, can make access to mental health services difficult. It was also in that episode, my friend, where we talked about the escalating gun violence in New York City. And if you would allow me to move into the next episode, which is episode six, we uh, talked about crime and the black and brown communities. Again, B.B. Moore Campbell, I should say the late B.B. Moore Campbell author, uh, she founded the urban Los Angeles chapter of NAMI, and she believed that people of color feel the stigma of mental illness much more keenly. Uh, she feels that it's already hard enough to be Black in this world, um, and so they don't really feel too excited, too enthusiastic about exposing the fact that they also have what they consider to be another deficit with mental illness. What say you? I say that you um, brought out definitely the great things regarding those episodes. I just wanted to piggyback on the For the Village um, in episode um, five when we talked about COVID, because that was the episode where we talked about the two men basically being selfless and almost giving up their own lives to help rescue. Um, two individuals from a burning building and I didn't want to uh, miss highlighting that because that was a great for the village mm -hmm. example and then as far as the crime oh my gosh we had talked about the statistics and how by that time um, it wasn't even the new month that came out as far as for July of 2020, we were just getting statistics for June of 2020, and we have found out that everything had gone up. Uh, grand larceny, um, violence, guns. I mean, it was just so much of everything had just escalated in, in levels in which we had never heard of at this time. So we had definitely talked about what was impacting our community um, at that time. And 
to be honest, it's still going on. It definitely still going on. So we definitely want the villagers to really listen to that episode, especially if you are a resident of New York, New York State, New York City, just to hear what was going on back then. And also just to compare it to what's going on now. And you'll see it's mm, the numbers are not going down. Yeah, it's really something when you hear from day to day. Uh, you know, how it's just increasing. It's like crazy. It's crazy. Um, But yeah, definitely encourage you guys to go back and listen to that episode uh, and maybe do some research on your own or maybe just pay attention to what's happening in your own communities. You know, as as Petrina said, you know, if you're a resident in the state of New York and in New York City or in other cities, um, because there were escalating events that were happening in places like Atlanta, Miami, I believe, uh, we covered those. So again, we encourage you to go back and listen to that episode. The next two episodes, episode seven, was about Black Lives Matter versus white power. And in this episode, we had just lost uh, civil rights icon, Representative John Robert Lewis. And of course, we had the opportunity to see all of the different tributes that were rightfully paid to him and uh, <clears throat> how he, you know, really led um, the fight or equality, voting, again, you know, definitely was one of the things that was his biggest platform that he encouraged us to do and to become involved and to make, you know, good trouble, necessary trouble. And so that was one thing we talked about. Also in that episode, D.L. Hughley, he did an interview with Vlad TV. They talked about uh, several different topics, including voting again. Uh, He also talked about Trump supporters. And he basically said, and I'm not quoting, just sort of like um, my understanding of it was like, if you support 45, he cannot mess with you as a person. You can't really understand with everything that this man has done and is doing, how you could in all conscious, you know, in all consciousness support him. So that was something that he mentioned. Um, he talked about how he felt like voting should be uh, mandatory. And we mentioned that while we might not say mandatory, because we don't want to really force anybody to, but definitely to take the responsibility of it more seriously, I would say. Um, and I think we mentioned that like Australia, you can actually, I think, be fined if you don't participate, if you don't vote. So there are some people out there who really take that seriously. Uh, in this episode, we wanted to talk about the message behind Black Lives Matter because, you know, there's a lot of pushback when Black people are talking about the challenges that they face because of the color of their skin, nobody wants to hear it. Nobody wants to deal with it. The response usually is all lives matter. And I say, prove it. Because if all lives matter, then that means black lives matter too. And so instead of pushing back, take some time to sit down (laughs) and listen to what's being said. Uh, Instead of being so uh, offended by the fact that black people are sick and tired of watching themselves be killed every day. Uh, unarmed Black men in particular. Uh, You're an officer with a gun, you have a taser, and you have all these different things. What about an unarmed Black man? It's so scary that you go from zero to a thousand in a matter of seconds. How do we go from maybe a traffic stop where your taillight is out to you ending up under somebody's knee, almost dying because you can't breathe? Like, The idea that as a human being, again, a human being, Black people, yes, 
America. Black people are human beings. We know what you've been told about us, but it's not true. Take some time to get to understand what it would be like if your father, if your brother, if your husband, if your significant other, if your uncle, your cousin, your, everybody in your family, what if they were being tortured in the same way Black people have been all these centuries? You don't think that you'd get sick and tired of seeing that happen to you? All we're saying is we want to be treated equally and fairly. We are no better than, but we damn sure ain't no less than. That's all we're saying. White power, on the other hand, is a chant of supremacy and superiority. Black people are not saying that. Don't get it twisted. Understand what the message is or just be quiet. Well said, my sister. Well said, my queen. And you definitely covered pretty much the gist of that episode. And so it's just beautiful to rehear what was or reiterate what was said, which is Black Lives Matter came out of necessity. And we are still fighting that fight. We are still chanting that chant because it is still evident that it doesn't. We don't matter. Yeah. We're still we're still being tortured. We're still being killed unnecessarily. We are still being um, targeted and um, executed. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it's just something that we we will continually um, pray and say until people recognize. And we when we say people. We don't mean, we, we, we mean white people, <laughs> but we also mean our own people, mm-hmm. black and brown people too. We're not just talking to white people who don't recognize our lives to matter, but we're also talking to us who don't recognize our lives to matter. And we're out there doing things that does not benefit us or kills us. So it's important that black lives matter, matter to everyone. Mm-hmm. It's true. And I mean, the, the, the point about that too is a lot of people say, oh, well, you guys are killing each other. So like, it's a big deal that we're doing it. No, no, no. E- either way, it's all wrong. So it's good that you brought up that point. Um, something else I wanted to say too is uh, there was a lot of talk about protesting versus the rioting. The rioters obviously are not a part of the protest. And everyone has sort of like focused on the, 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 the distractors, if you will. And it seems that this country, every single time it gets an opportunity to, it'll do everything it can to distract and deflect from the situation at hand. The situation at hand has to do with the way police, more often than not, treat people of color. And we want it to stop. We want it to be equitable across the board. And we're going to stand up to that end as long as it takes, because it's been going on for far too long. Systemic racism, it affects every aspect of our lives. And so it didn't happen overnight. And we we recognize that the solution is not going to come overnight, but we do know that it's going to come. We're not going to stop. so that's something else as well. And, and, and the protesting is continuing on to this day. And yes, there are still rioters out there. There are other uh, uh, groups from the uh, white supremacy side who are also, you know, um, 
causing some some ruckus during these uh, peaceful protests. So there have definitely been things that are still going on to this day, again, to distract and deflect from the issues at hand. Now, episode eight was part one of the new childcare system. Uh, in preparation for school openings, that's what this episode was about. And we also talked about Oprah's um, 100 Fathers special that she had, which addressed stereotypes of African-American fathers and their involvement with their children. Um, Kevin Williams had been a guest on her show when she was doing her talk show. And he mentioned that uh, every father has a dream for their family. And I remember, friend, <laughs> you, like Oprah, were very shocked to hear, really? Father's dream for their families? <laughs> yes. It wasn't that, again, like I said before in that episode, it wasn't that we didn't understand that fathers had dreams. It's just that we didn't think about them having dreams for their family. So um, <laughs> that was the shock for us. But in that episode... We definitely discussed um, training for police officers because uh, Killer Mike was talking about that. We talked about the stereotypes. We talked about um, just how Black men are perceived to be not in the homes and the statistics that goes along with that and how that glamification of most of the black men are not in the house. It's not true. It's not accurate. And then to see how men were taking a stand, groups that were created to show that men were there, that they are there for their families, that they're not absentee parents. Um, so we were able to highlight that and then highlight the fact that, you know, um, Tyler Perry and, and, and Courtney B. Vance, they were talking about, but Tyler was talking about his uh, the innocence of his child and having to have to talk with his child about racism and life as far as a black man is concerned. And Courtney B. Vance was just reminding us that we need to vote. So it was so many different things out of that episode that came out on top of the fact that we were talking about the new childcare system and how that affected parents in the daycare world. Right. Yeah. We talked about the daycare and the pre-K prep for school opening. So yeah, that was definitely a, um, a full episode as far as that is concerned, which uh, means that we're coming to our next song, my queen. What are we going to be listening to next? Well, this particular song, and let me just tell you something, villagers, this episode, what the music is brought to you by our queen CK. Um, she has been the, the music coordinator on this. I have just actually just um, agreed <laughs> with it, but uh, the selection she's made have been wonderful. So don't get me wrong. We both appreciate music and it's just great to be able to give people their accolades when they're due. And so I just wanted to say to her, thank you again for your selections. This particular song is by Kurt Franklin, and we both love Kurt Franklin, so wasn't nothing wrong with that for me. And this song is called Just For Me. So, as always, get your praise on, listen, and then when you come back, we will continue to recap our episodes. Keep on 
Yeah, Queen, as you indicated, Kerr Franklin, he is the man. Um, I, he just has countless, countless treasures and gems of songs. Uh, but Just For Me is just a, a moving one. Uh, and then, of course, throughout the course of that song, you can see that it's encouraging growth. Uh, it says sometimes when you, you know, you have those growing pains, you know what I'm saying? When you're growing out of your comfort zone to consider somebody else other than yourself, uh, you know, that's that's what kind of goes along with the territory, but it's necessary if we are to evolve to the next level, you know, so uh, thank you for indulging the selection. I appreciate that. You're welcome. And again, thank you for your selections, because again, we need spiritual inspiration and gospel music, uh, whether it's traditional, contemporary, modern, however you want to call it, it does that for our souls. So I appreciate it as well. All right. Well, moving on to episodes nine and 10. In episode nine, it was part two of the new child care system. Here, Governor Cuomo, he was voted unanimously as the chair of the NGA, the National Governors Association. And he let us know that this year's focus is going to be on recovery and revival. Um, you know, considering that we're dealing with the, you know, coronavirus. Also, Purvis Payne, uh, is a gentleman accused of murder. He's um, from Millington, Tennessee. And this murder took place in June of 1987. I think it was a woman and two of her children. He had been waiting um, at the complex, the apartment complex of his girlfriend, and I guess, you know, decided instead of waiting outside, he would come inside. And as he came inside, someone ran past him, not too far from where his girlfriend's apartment is located. He noticed, I guess, a door, door missed, must have been ajar to this apartment. And he noticed, you know, this horrific scene. He wanted to administer assistance, but as he heard the sirens, he recognized the um, great possibility that he would be accused. And guess what? He was right. So this is a case that the Innocence Project is working on. And unfortunately, as it stands, his execution is scheduled for December 3rd of this year. We also talked about public schools reopening and the standards uh, by which they need to reopen. Um, for the points that we focused on in this conversation, well, we had a lot of different standards, but health and safety, transportation, technology and connectivity, and special education were some of the things that we kind of like highlighted in that episode. Um, but we can see now, Queen, I'm sure you've heard it in the news, there are students, teachers who are testing positive since school has begun. Have you heard that? Yes, I have. And um, the only thing that we can say is it's not surprising. Uh, to be honest, as a informal, formal educator, um, children, uh, I, you know, uh, carry a lot of germs. That's just, there's no way around it is no politically correct term to state. It is what it is. Children carry a lot of germs. They are sometimes uh, asymptomatic. The facilities in which uh, they want us to go back and teach in are not well kept. And this doesn't surprise us. So 
unfortunately, um, we're going to continuously, uh, continually, excuse me, hear more cases come up as the seasons go through and as the, the school actually finally opens. We're gonna we're gonna keep hearing about it because it's not gonna stop. It's not gonna change. They're not gonna do enough to eradicate this until I guess the vaccine comes along and that may make a difference. But right now it doesn't surprise me. And the problem is there's so many people out there who really don't want to do what's necessary in order to help facilitate um, healing. And for some reason, wearing a mask and socially distancing yourself from somebody is actually, people have taken it to the point of um, their freedom being in question, which I don't understand how you make that correlation, but they are. Um, but we're discovering in these most recent days of uh, um, how 45 has had numerous interviews where he is on tape, if you will, talking about the fact that from Jump Street, out the gate, he knew the severity of this coronavirus. He knew it, but decided to downplay it. And his reason, because he didn't want to panic, excuse me, he didn't want to panic the American people. But yet, you will cause division and divisiveness in terms of racial uh, discord. You don't mind causing fear and making the white woman in suburban America afraid of the black people that's coming for her. But when it comes to this public health situation, you, you want to downplay it because you don't want to cause panic. Okay, whatever. Um, episodes 10 and 11 were a two-part series, He Said, She Said. Uh, in episode 10, Joe Biden had just nominated Kamala Harris um, as his running mate for um, vice president. Dak Prescott, quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, sent a letter to the governor of Oklahoma on behalf of Julius Jones. In our first episode of this two-part series, we talked about the 10 gripes that men had uh, about, <laughs> about women <laughs> that <laughs> they are not always uh, comfortable uh, talking to us about. Um, like basically, you know, they said things like they're not mind readers and they wish that we would let them know, you know, what it is that we want to, you know, make them, um, in order for them to be able to make us uh, happy. Um, they don't understand why we deal with people who make us crazy. You know, if we have that friend that is, you know, um, driving us insane, they want to know why you can't just cut it off because as we discussed, they're able to do so. Uh, and we said that, you know, when it comes to us, we're not, we're really not uh, thinking that our friends are disposable like that, that we could just kind of get rid of them. We're mad in the moment and that's all. But we understand that, you know, guys have a tendency to <laughs> see a problem and just want to fix it. Um, we talked about, um, you know, his, we talked about, uh, the, uh, annoyance that they have with us using their past against them, um, not having any faith in them, um, and also not communicating, um, how proud we are of them. So those were some of the things that we talked about. And if you can just indulge me, Queen, in episode 11, which is part two of that, uh, we talked about Breonna Taylor uh, and the report that had been released indicated that she was um, or that she had a connection or a relationship with the person that the police were looking for, uh, which is somehow supposed to provide an explanation as to why they entered her residence. They were looking for drugs. They had seen him 
go back and forth or come in and out of her home and they figured, you know, she had something to do with that. Ava DuVernay, the um, um, film producer, uh, had an opinion about Kamala Harris being nominated as VP. And she was basically talking to us as a people um, with her annoyance and the fact that we want to hold Kamala Harris's path against her. And uh, while we're doing that, we're forgetting the things that 45 has done. You know, things like ripping children out of the arms of their parents at the border, putting them in cages, being disrespectful to women each and every day, um, being a racist bigot, you know, all those kinds of things is what is contained within 45. And so while we know that Kamala Harris, in terms of her prosecutorial record, may not always be something that we agree with, uh, we need to recognize people's ability to grow and to maybe change perspective and recognize who we have a better chance of, you know, getting the things that we need done, done. So she mentioned that. And then of course, us ladies had the opportunity to share the gripes that we had with the fellas and we talked about things like honesty uh, communication their demonstration of affection knowing their roles a uh, point of reference regarding their thoughts about relationships their lack of support lack of commitment selfishness lack of intimacy romance and the bonus was chivalry let's say you queen I say yes, all of those things. And if you really want to hear our perspectives on both, because we were able to give the man's perspective based on um, the information that we found, and we were able to give the woman's perspective based on our own personal experiences and what we have heard other women say, um, within our family and our friends and sometimes complete strangers. <laughs> so <laughs> we want you to really um, go back and we enjoyed those two episodes like we have enjoyed all of our episodes. But those two episodes, I think, have left a little special place in our in our hearts for them. And so we really want you to go back and just enjoy what you can learn from the male's point of view and whether or not you agree if you are female with the female's point of view and if you are male whether or not you agree with the male point of view by no means does all of the gripes that were mentioned are accurate <laughs> and <laughs> you might not have that gripe you might have something totally different and if that's the case feel free contact us email us villagementality20vision at gmail.com so that we'll know and maybe that we can revisit some gripes if we need to in the future absolutely absolutely and so with that being said we've come to our third song of the episode which my queen is people by jonathan mcreynolds and we'll see you after this <laughs> They are the best and the worst you've created. Love. 
loving and hating and opinionated loners in basements and those congregated deliver me far from the peaceful shore i was sinking deep in the ocean of thoughts they were thinking don't know what validation I was seeking Deliver me from People, people When you said you could heal me from anything Did you mean people, people Deliver me Cause I can't won't say the names I don't know the damage or which one to blame it's just people people deliver she was the reason I smiled in the morning Took the last bit of joy I was storing That's too much power for anything human Say the name. 
I love Jonathan McReynolds, just like I love Kirk, uh, Kirk Franklin. Jonathan McReynolds has a lot of good songs too. And it's really, you know, if you're a person who listens to the words of a song, um, as much as you listen to the, the beat or the rhythm of it, you know, his music really speaks to me personally. So again, thankful that I had an opportunity to, you know, um, contribute to the selection of our music in this episode. So thank you again. And with that being said, Queen, before we close out this week's episode, do you have any closing remarks that you would like to um, extend to our villagers? Well, I would love to just show my gratitude, my appreciation um, for you listening to us, villagers, um, to you, uh, CK, just for being able to um, cultivate this partnership, this friendship, and move it to the next level, to uh, thank you for encouraging me to do the podcast, even when I wasn't sure that it was something that I would be able to do, or what I like to do. Thank you for pushing me ever so slightly um, <laughs> to... <laughs> To, to do what I had to do so that I can give to the villagers in a way that I've been able to give. Um, as always, we are grateful to all of our listeners because without you, we would not be able to um, have other people to listen to us. We talk like this all the time. <laughs> we sure do. So, yeah. so <laughs> it's not like we uh, don't have these regular conversations as we do. And, and I know y'all like, okay, if y'all say this one more time, I'm going to slap one of y'all. It's not that we are trying to be extra. It's just the fact that we want you to understand that you are actually just getting in on a private conversation <laughs> and <laughs> we're now putting it public. So again, just sincere gratitude um, appreciation and thanks to the queen here for allowing me to be a part of this journey. Well, I, I just, again, want to say thank you for, uh, trusting the process, for trusting me, for saying yes. Uh, yes, I know that there was a little bit of reluctancy, but to God be the glory that you were able to, uh, be obedient to the call, his call, not mine. And, uh, you've added so much to the experience and I'm definitely looking forward to what we are going to do in our future episodes. Just want to thank you for your due diligence and for the contributions, you know, to each and every episode you provide riveting conversation, which of course is no surprise to me. Um, but I'm grateful for you. So thank you so much for that. You're so welcome. Thank you again. Now, villagers, one of the definitions of purpose is the reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. In the midst of my own personal pain and challenges with mental illness, spiritual development reached a higher level when I was able to receive my purpose, my calling. While my mental health advocacy is in its infancy stages, I am building it brick by brick in order to bring awareness, inspiration, motivation, and inevitably solutions in order to facilitate mental health care for our black and brown communities. Village Mentality, the podcast, was created as a part of that purpose in order to provide a space 
where people of color could address the issues that plague our society each and every day. I wanna be able to lend support and a listening ear to all those who are struggling out there, one person at a time. And by God's grace, that is what I will pledge my life to do. I wanna thank you all so much for your support. We have truly appreciated it. And we've enjoyed bringing you this podcast each week. And we are looking forward to bringing you many, many more episodes, stories of inspiration, and examples of village mentality practiced by villagers all over the world. So don't worry, season two will begin in October. So stay tuned, stay tuned, beautiful people. And here's to brighter days. Now, playing us out, week, I mean, if I could be so bold as to make this introduction, we are going to leave you with this bonus track, Moving On by Jonathan McReynolds. And again, listen to the words and how or what they might mean for, for you in, in your own life. And we'll see you before you know it. Take care, beautiful people. God bless you. It hurts to let go, but it hurts more to stay up. Moving on, I'm moving on. Hey, I'm moving on. Hey, 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 hey. I know my review can't compare to what God will do.
this party yeah. Never would the love be spotted I pride myself on bringing light to your parties yeah. Holy Ghost, you make the find the mind I'm naughty Without you, it's powder, I'm a traveling Without your power, I'm a nightmare Nothing but trouble saying by me Can't have two miles on a diamond My brother called me, I could call me Told me we moving, I'm in God's hand Yeah Told me we moving, I'm in God's hand Bring my moving truck in Gotta go Told me we moving, I'm in God's hand Tell me we moving, I'm in God's hand.